So do we have any snowboarders or skiers in here? Anyone likes? Okay, awesome. So just a few. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't live close to a mountain or anything like that. So, uh, But okay, so growing up in Canada, in Vancouver, one of, the, one of my favorite things to do was going snowboarding. And I lived probably about 30 minutes uh, from a nice-sized mountain. And it, it was great to go with friends or on the weekend or go with um, you know those in our youth group. And so I remember this one time... I was in college, and our entire uh, church, you know, the students, the youth group, the college students, everyone was going to go together skiing. And there was this one, so I was in college, right? And there's this one senior in high school that asked me, he was like, hey, have you ever uh, been in the powder before? Like, have you ever snowboarded in powder, like off course? And I was like, no, but I could do it. <laughs> and he's like, okay, yeah, follow me. You know, and I was like, so what do I need to know? And he was like, oh, just don't stop. Uh, you know, stick close to me and don't stop. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, if this, you know, grade 12 can do it, then I could totally do it, right? I mean, what's, I, I've been snowboarding for years. I could totally do it. So we get, you know, get off the ski lift, go down, and all of a sudden get to this area where it's just wooded, a lot of trees, and there's, you know, all the flags. You have to go over it. And he's like, okay, just remember, don't stop. So they're like, okay, I got it. I know you've told me a ton of times. I think I know what I'm doing. I'm good. So he goes and I stick with him and it's going pretty, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty fun. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was, it was actually pretty fun because it's just, it's powder, right? And it's just, it's just, it's just going everywhere. So I'm going, I'm going pretty well. I was like, oh, you know, my first time going in powder, I, I, you know, pat myself on the back going down. And then all of a sudden, you know, the tree started getting closer and closer and the guy in front of me, you know, he was like, and I was like, where'd this kid learn how to snowboard? Uh, so I, I get a little scared and I start slowing down. I didn't stop, but I started slowing down because I didn't want to hit the trees. And then I'm going and I'm slowing down and I can't get any faster. I'm trying to move forward to, get any fa- to go faster. And then all of a sudden, boof, I'm this deep in snow. And the guy's gone. Like, he's way gone. And this is like, I know this makes me sound old, but it's before cell phones. Right? It's like, okay, before like the Zach, I mean, the Zach Morris cell phone existed, but I didn't have enough money to have the Zach Morris cell phone. So, uh, yeah, it was, so I, no one was around me. He was gone. I was this deep in snow, and I tried to dig out. I mean, it take. If you've ever been that much in snow with your board all the way down there, it takes like 30, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour to try to dig out. So finally I get out, I go all the way down, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, all my friends are, some of them are at the base of the mountain, others are up there, and they're like, where have you been? We thought you were eaten by a bear, right? (laughs) Uh, And I didn't want to tell them. I was like, oh yeah, I was just taking my time. (laughs) All right, so... You know, I, I share that story because when I think of getting stuck, like that instance of getting stuck and, you know, kind of me eating my pride, uh, it's just, it just sticks out to me so much. I mean, when's the last time you got stuck, right? Were you maybe on a project at work, school, home, and, and maybe you just hit a dead end, right? You hit a dead end and you didn't know what to do next. You, you hit a wall. You got stuck. I mean, how did you react? Did you get frustrated? Or maybe there's an addictive habit or an unhealthy relationship that you felt stuck in and you just didn't know how to get out. So you tried, right? You tried to get unstuck, but then you failed. 
How did you feel? Do you get angry when that happens? Or, or what about when you finally do get unstuck only to get sucked back in a day later or a week later, back into that pet sin, that temptation, or that addiction over and over again? Right? Does that anger that might come up, does that turn into guilt? Because you know it, it, there's always a way out of temptation, but you just can't seem to find it. Right? In 1 Corinthians 10.13, we read, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he'll also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So what do you do? What do you do when you get stuck? You, you get unstuck and then you fall back in again. Do you just try harder? Or you're like, you know what, this time I'm going to do it. I'm going to have more self-will, self-determination. And then finally you get it done and you're like, I did it. I, I got myself unstuck. I, I can handle this. I finally, you know, defeated this sin, defeated this addiction. Uh, and unfortunately, if the victory is on your own accord... And, and you think it was based on your own self-will and ability to get it done, what happens after? The fall is even greater, right? Because here's the thing, friends. There's no amount of self-will or self-determination that will keep you right before God. No amount of self-will or self-determination will free you, ultimately free you, from the hurts that haunt your hearts, the hang-ups that cause you pain, and the habits that mess up your life. So what happens in those instances as your anger and your guilt, because you can't get out of it, grows? Well, fear, right? It turns into fear. Fear that things will never change. Fear that our hurts, our hangups, and our habits will always control us. And fear that freedom is out of our reach and that it's out of our grasp. And what happens when fear takes full grip on our life? Depression, right? or a sense of helplessness. You just relent and you accept your sorry state. You, you start feeling sorry for yourself. You just learn to walk with a limp. You accept that your sin might not ever go away, so you begin to feed it. You get used to it, and eventually you give up and quit. Right? And when you do that, the entire cycle starts over again. Let's take a look at this graphic. This is from the book, Life's Healing Choices, that I know some of you are following along. And what, what I just explained here is the cycle of despair, right? Where you, you get caught up in a hurt or a hang-up or a habit, and, and you feel guilty because of that. And because you feel guilty that you did that, anger develops in your heart, and then, and then you have this fear that you can never actually, that you might not ever experience freedom from that hurt, that hang up or that habit. And then what happens? Uh, you move into a state of depression. And then after that, you then move into guilt again. Well, church, let me share an important word with you. And I want you, as I say this, I want you to hear it. I want you to believe it. I want you to commit it to memory because it's based on Romans ten seventeen, where we read that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So this is what I want you to, to hear. You don't have to live with your pet sin, right? I just, I just want you to hear that, allow that to soak into your heart. The hurt, the hang-up, the habit, those addictions that you are struggling with, that you are, that maybe it's been decades. I want you to hear 
that you don't have to live with those things anymore. God wants to experience fullness in Christ and you don't have to live with that guilt. You don't have to live in frustration. You don't have to live in anger. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in depression because Jesus wants to free you. And when we read, you know, it says John 8, in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. You really will be free. You will be free indeed. So what are the steps to experience the release and the freedom that Jesus so desperately wants to give us? Right? What are those steps? Right? It starts by making a choice. And the series that we're in, we're making eight choices over eight weeks. And today we're on the third choice. And the third choice is to let go. To let go of the unrealistic expectations that others have placed on you. Right? It's, it's to let go. Are you ready to let go of the pressure that you've been placing on yourself to make a name for yourself or to prove someone wrong? Are you ready to let go of the times you've been betrayed, the times you've been hurt by others? Are you, let, are you, are you ready to let go of that unhealthy obsession with how you look and what others think about you? Are you ready to let go of your desire to control yourself in your desire to control others. Are you ready to make that choice to let go today? Right? It sounds easy, right? Right? It sounds easy. Okay, you know, you, you know, you just hear the choice, you know, hear the hurts, the hang-ups, and the habits that you're experiencing, so you just gotta let it go, right? You just gotta let it go, you just gotta let it go, and you know, don't hold it back anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't. <laughs> There's no way I can get frozen out of my head. Uh, you know, I do have two daughters and my son. And anyways, on the one hand, you know, we have to let it go, right? But here's the, here's the question that I have for you, right? Here's the question. Here's the tension. We need to let go. We know we ought to probably let go, right? We know this in our head. We know the hurts, the hangups, and the habits that we might be experiencing. We know those things. But why is it so hard? It's not hard to say I'm going to let it go. But why is it so hard to actually let it go? Right? Why? Because on the one hand, you can say, today, I'm going to let it go, Daniel. I mean, today, by the end of the service, we're going to pray. We're going to worship God. You know, we're going to continue worshiping. And we're going to let it go. But why do we pick it back up again tomorrow? And we're going to address that tension in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, flip to or turn on, you know, open up the app to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And two weeks ago in my sermon on the first choice, admitting need, I provided background to uh, these verses in Matthew 5, to the Beatitudes. And so if you missed that message, uh, you can watch that on our church app or you can go to the website, thefellowship.cc. And I'd encourage you to, to listen to that because there's some good background to what these eight choices are based on. On, but we're going to dive deep into verse 5, right? Into the third beatitude, which says, Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Right? Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. So when you take a look at that verse right there, there are three questions that we need to address to fully understand how this verse will help us let go and not pick, up, pick it up back again. Right? That's what we're addressing right now. 
right? So blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth, will show us what it looks like to actually let go and live in freedom. And the three questions that we need to ask ourselves in order to understand this are this. What is humility? That's the first one we're going to look at. And just FYI, a little English class right here, humility and humble are the same word. For the longest time, people would say humble, 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 and then they would say humility. I'm like, is that like about being, being funny? All right? Uh, so I'm, I'm sure many of you already knew that, but there's no such thing as humbleness. Uh, it's, you know, if you are filled, if you are humble, you are filled with humility uh, is, is how that works. And honestly, you know, I know some of you are like, we're not like grade five here, uh, but it really took me a long time to understand that. <laughs> okay, so what is humility is the first question. The second one is, what in the world does it mean to inherit the earth, right? What does that even mean? Why do the humble inherit it, and why are the humble the blessed ones? So it's kind of a group of questions. And the third question is, what does this have to do with letting go, all right? Let's start with the first question. What is humility? What is humility? Now, humble can be translated a few different ways. If you look at, if you compare a few different English translations, and that's a great way to study God's word. If, you're, uh, if you have a hard time understanding what a verse or a few verses looks like, you know, read it in the translation you read it in, and then take a few other ones and see how they word it as well. Uh, but in the CSB translation, which is the one that we use here, is, it, it says, blessed are the humble. Right, it just says it like it is, blessed are the humble. But if you look at the, uh, the NASB, it says, blessed are the gentle. And if you, use, uh, if you take a look at the ESV, it says, blessed are the meek. Right? So in this passage, as you can see in a few translations, and if you look at the original language as well, Jesus is talking about the humble, the gentle, and the meek. Right? Another word to, to kind of phrase that is the considerate. Right? He's not talking about the weak, right? I didn't say blessed are the weak, I said blessed are the meek, right? He's not talking about pushovers here. He's actually talking about those who have strength under control. In other words, he's talking about individuals who, while they might have things that they could boast about, they're not impressed by their own self-importance. He's talking about people who aren't full of themselves, but who see themselves as God sees them as they really are, as we really are. Now think about a wild stallion here, right? A stallion that has all the, the passion, the energy, the strength, the fervor in the world. This, this wild stallion. And there's a rider on top of him. Now that wild stallion can just, I mean, that wild stallion can kick any rider off their back. But that wild stallion has decided to be tame, has decided to control its strength, right? And who Jesus is talking about here is he's saying, blessed are those who have their strength under control. So instead of just being impressive on its own or impressive on our own, that stallion is impressive because it's being used for a greater purpose. Friends, blessed are the humble, blessed are the earthy ones, right? The ones that are, that, that are, that are kind of rooted, that see themselves as God sees them, the, the real ones, the genuine ones. We're reading here, blessed are the humble, blessed are the ones who realize that every breath that they take is given from God. And because every breath that they take is given from God, shouldn't we then use every breath for God? 
Blessed are the humble, those who surrender and submit their lives to God. Blessed are those that let go. I love how the message paraphrase puts it. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more and no less. Blessed are the humble. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more and no less. So now that we've talked about who the humble are, let's go on to our next question here. All right. What in the world does it mean to inherit the earth? And why do the humble inherit it? And why are the humble the blessed ones? Well, so if you look at this, right, inherit the earth, right? Is this about heavenly rewards? Is this about future compensation? Now, think about who Jesus is talking to when he's preaching this, right? The, the, the disciples who have given, who have let everything go, were they landowners? Were, did they, or is Jesus talking to people who, you know, have vacation properties in, you know, in, in Malta, uh, vacation properties in the Caribbean? Is he talking to people who have condos here, their private jets here? I mean, Jesus is talking to typically people who did not own their own land. And, and if you were an average person, an average poorer person in Israel, you did not own land. And if you did not own land, it wasn't like you just, it wasn't like you had renter's rights. And, and there's like rent control. And, and if your landowner, if they didn't like treat you well, you could leave or sue them or this or that. No, I mean, that's not how it was. If you were renting from someone else, you had no rights. I mean, you were like a hired worker. Your life was oppressive. You didn't really know what freedom was like. So when Jesus is saying, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth, there's actually a connection there, right? The listeners would have heard, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And, and, and when I inherit the earth, when I, it's kind of like I, 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 I'm getting my own, you know, I have my own land, right? And, and if I have my own land, then it's, it's, I don't need to live under oppression anymore. And if I have my own land, I can actually experience freedom, I can experience prosperity. I can experience, I, I, I don't have to be subject to someone else's timeline, will, or whim. Right? That's the imagery that is being conjured up when Jesus is saying, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Right? Psalm 3711 says this, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. So when Jesus says, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth, he's saying, blessed are the humble, for that is, the the humble are the ones who will experience true freedom. There's a connection between humility and freedom. Now, Jesus is obviously talking about much more than just becoming a landowner here on earth. He's he's not saying, hey, if you're humble, you're not going to have any debt anymore. He's not saying, if you're humble, you're going to get finally get that beach house and that private plane, right? If you're humble, you can finally buy that multiple acre piece of land. It's not that, like, don't, don't minimize what Jesus is saying here. Right? But we need to understand that in light of that, he's talking about freedom from oppression, freedom from our hurts, our hang-ups, and our habits. Now, Jesus is also alluding to Revelation 20, 20 and to 22, where he talks about the new heavens and the new earth that we will inherit when Christ returns. Yes, he is alluding to that. 
but to our immediate needs and to what we are talking about today, he's saying, hey, blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, blessed are those who have strength under control, because they are going to be future rulers with me for eternity, and they're going to experience freedom as I have intended them to and want them to experience. All right, the humble that we read about here are the blessed ones because they realize that everything that they have is a gift from God, right? The humble are the blessed ones because they realize their true state, their true identity, and they they see themselves as God sees them. And God is not, God is impressed with you and I, but he's not impressed with our achievements. He's not impressed with what you've done in this last year. He's not impressed with your status, the things you have, and anything that you've done. He is impressed with you because you are made in his image. That is why he's impressed with you. He's impressed with you because you are his beloved and adopted children when you recognize and accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, what does this all have to do with letting go? Right? What is, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. What does that have to do with letting go? Now, if you take a look at James 4, 6, among many other places, the scriptures say this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what do you think that means? Do you, do you think in order to fully let go, do you think we need God's help? Now, we can, we can make we can consciously make the decision to break up with someone, right? We can consciously make this, this situation to step out of these environments that are tearing us down. We can make the conscious decision to do that, but can we truly let go on our own accord, or do you think we need his resistance? Now, do you remember that diagram we had up here? And, and um, if, we can, if you don't mind, if we can grab that, thank you. Uh, this diagram here, this cycle of despair, I mean, think about it here. Right? Think about it. Do you think we can break out of this cycle of guilt, anger, fear that then leads to depression? Do you think we can fully break out of it on our own accord? I mean, who are the ones that can fully break out of this and move out and, and, and out of this cycle of despair? Right? Who are the ones? When are those instances when you can fully get out permanently? And as we see in this passage, you know, it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Don't you think we need grace to get out of this? I mean, if God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble, wouldn't you rather be on the side where he's giving you grace instead of being, instead of being in opposition with God? And in order for us to experience freedom from our hurts, our hangups, and our habits, we need as much help as we can get. And as we see in this passage, it says God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So what we see here is that the humble are in the most optimal position to receive God's grace. It's the humble that are in the most optimal position to receive God's grace. And as we've talked about today, not only will the humble receive grace, but they will receive grace so that they can experience freedom from their hurts, 
their hang-ups and their habits. So friends, are you willing to make this commitment choice today? Are you willing to make a choice today to bow down under God's grace so that he can set you free from the hurts, the hang-ups, and the habits that you have? Are you willing to commit your life to Christ's care and control? Because when you do that, when you let go, God will take care of your pride. Right? We can't choose to receive grace, but we can choose humility. We can choose to see ourselves as God sees us. Right? We can make that decision where it's, hey, this is the life of pride where I can get out of my hurts, my hangouts, and my habits all by myself. I can try to be, you know, modify my behavior. I can try to do this, do this. And we know where that ends, right? We know that no matter what we try to do, as long as we think we can get free by ourselves, it doesn't actually ever permanently work. It doesn't. You know, and I am a huge proponent in counseling, in biblical counseling. And I've been, I've gone to counseling too for deeper things in my heart and in my life that I'd had to work through. But if your counselor is all about behavior modification, you can spend thousands of dollars over the course of decades because their solution is to just change your behavior or maybe in other change the way you think and then you're going to experience freedom. But friends, that is not how it works. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can change you, which is why counseling is great if it's biblical and Christian biblical counseling, right? Because it's the Holy Spirit. And when you recognize that it's truly the Holy Spirit that can bring about change, I'm not saying that you don't do anything, but what you can do is you can begin to see yourself as God sees you, begin to recognize that there's nothing that you can do to, to, to free yourself from these hurts and these, these hangouts and these habits. So the choice isn't to try harder. The choice is to let go, to see yourself as God sees you. And when you do that, you then place yourself under God's hand and in an optimal position to receive his grace so that he can free you from your hurts, your hangups, and your habits. He, God, will take care of your pride when you bow under his grace. God will take care of your guilt. God will take care of, of the guilt of past decisions. God will take care of that guilt that is preventing you uh, from asking God for help. God will take care of that guilt and that shame that you might be having that, because you've tried to bargain with God. God is going to take care of your guilt and your shame because he knows all the things that you've done wrong. And he's saying... He's saying, I will take care of this if you come to me and place yourself under my care. If you come to me and let go. If you come to me and choose a posture not of pride, but of humility. If you come to me and let go, then, you know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's no sin that God cannot or will not forgive. So when you let go, right, when you commit your life, all of your life to Christ's care and control, he will actually take care of the fear that you might have that is preventing you from letting go. 
And, and that's actually one of the reasons why it's so hard for us to actually let go. It's because of fear. What will my life be like if I let go to God? What is he going to change? What is he going to make me do? What is he gonna... And we have this irrational fear that the enemy has actually sowed into our hearts that letting go actually, and letting go to God actually leads to a life of unhappiness, of oppression, of restriction. But the truth is letting go actually leads us to freedom. And not letting go is what bounds us in our current state of oppression and of freedom, and, and, and of lack of freedom. So I love how John Baker puts it uh, in that book, uh, Life's Healing Choices. He says it like this. Part of our control issue is fear of losing our freedom. But do you know what real freedom is? True, lasting freedom is choosing who controls you. When you give the care and control of your life to Christ, he sets you free. God said, I've swept away your sins like the morning mist, and I've scattered your offenses like the clouds. Oh, return to me, for I've paid the price to set you free. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and, and what we're going to do as they, as they play these songs, um, as they play this song, I want, to, I want to actually invite you to make a commitment, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to share three commitments that you can make today. Now, you may want to make one commitment, two, or maybe all three, but I want to make it as easy as possible for you to learn, for, for you to actually make the commitment to let go so that you can step into the freedom and into this life that God is calling you to, a life where you're not hiding and struggling under your hurts, your hangups, and your habits, but actually a life where you can experience freedom from your hurts, your hangups, and your habits, all right? So let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes, and I, wanna, I want us to make one out of these three, or maybe two, or maybe all three of these commitments today. All right, so here's the first commitment. Have you let go of your life and accepted Jesus as your Savior? Right? Have you made that very first commitment to let go of your life and accept Christ as your Savior. Because unless you make that commitment to accept Christ as your Savior, there is no way that you can ever truly be free from your hurts, your hang-ups, and your habits. We read in the Word, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you want to experience freedom for the first time, if you want to experience freedom from these things that have been tearing you down, if you want to let go, then you need to make that first commitment. Now, when we worship together in just a little bit, Scott, our campus pastor, and we have elders and, and prayer partners that are going to be up on the side. If you want to make that first commitment to give your life to Christ, to, to enter into real freedom, true freedom, then I want you to come 
while we worship together. And I want you to come to Scott. I want you to, I'll be up here as well. I want you to come to our prayer partners and say, I want to make that commitment. Please pray for me. Show me how to commit my life to Christ. While we worship together, there are are crosses on the side as well where you can write down your sins. And if you know there's a particular hurt, a hang-up, or a habit that you have been returning to over and over and over again, I want you to come up at the end and write that on a piece of paper and pin it to the cross and say, "As as an act of obedience, I want to give this to you and I want to submit this to you. I want to let this go and I want to experience freedom. I want want, want to experience your grace. I don't want to, on my effort, try to get free of this anymore. I want to, under your effort, experience freedom. All right, so that's that first choice. The second choice that I want to urge you, compel you to make, is if you have already given your life to Christ, then perhaps the commitment you need to make today is to accept God's word as the standard of your life. Maybe, yes, a decade ago, a year ago, months ago, you gave your life to Christ, but you are living according to your word instead of his word. You're living according to your standard and the world's standards rather than his standards. And I want to ask that you would make the commitment to bow under the authority of God's word And make his word the standard of your life. It says in Joshua 1.8, the book of instruction. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Perhaps the reason as a Christian you are not experiencing freedom from your hurts, your hang-ups, and your habits is because you are not allowing yourself, you're not committing yourself to God's word to bow under his authority. So maybe that's the choice that you need to make today. Say, yes, God, I choose to let go of my morality, of my judgment, of my wisdom, of my thoughts and I want to bow under yours and ask that your word would shape me. I ask that your word would form me. I ask that your word would heal me because that's the path to freedom. So is that the choice that you need to make today or maybe you need to make this third choice, right? If God's word is already the standard of your life, then perhaps the commitment you need to make today is to accept his will as your purpose. So that every day when you wake up, you begin with, thank you, Lord, for the life that you have given me. I now give it back to you. Friends, I dare you to pray that. To submit yourself under God's word And to couple that with this prayer of submission, this prayer of letting go, where you're saying, God, thank you for the breath that you have given me today. And because you have given me breath, you, I want to give this breath back to you. So have your way in me today. 
you bow yourself under God's word, if you soak yourself in God's word and you pray that prayer and give your life to the Lord on a daily basis, the Lord will bring you under his grace because that's a posture of humility and he will free you from your hurts, your hangups, and your habits. So which choice do you need to make today? Today? 